0: Welcome back to Dating, What Went Wrong, the show where we try to get to the bottom of why sometimes we're at the bottom. Today, however, is a day where I don't feel I'm at the bottom, and it's weird because being miserable about dating is what I'm used to. But now for me, dating has gone wrong, but in a good way. I've now been in a relationship for over a year now, and we've recently moved in together, this is why it's been a little while since I've posted another episode. That being said, I feel I've learned so much over the past year and some months and wanted to share that in the event that uh, maybe I could help someone. Plus, and I didn't really appreciate this at the time, but apparently once you're in a relationship, relationships aren't just like solved. So there's, uh, you know, more work to do. So for our one-year check-in, my guest today is my girlfriend, Aaron Conley. Aaron is a writer, a former competitive ice skater, and frustratingly good at quiplash. So, Aaron, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, so <laughs> um which we start how we met.
1: Yeah. A good place I to mean, start? It only it only took me a year and three months to finally get invited on your dating podcast. <laughs> so I feel very honored well, today.
0: I mean you know, when we first started, the intention was never. That was that was the plan. Was, oh, I was, remember. That was the trajectory was we're never going to do that. And then slowly it was like, well, maybe you can come on, maybe like once. And then I think recently I was like, maybe we could like co-host it or something. But, you know, let's get through this episode first, well, you know.
1: Well, we'll see how I do. This is my test run, I guess.
0: <laughs> this is your, your live audio test. This is
1: my audition. And it's your
0: audition. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, how do we meet? You want to tell it?
1: Yeah, so we met on Hinge, Mm -hmm. um, the dating app, um, and I messaged you first. Well, we had both, you know, swiped right on each other. Mm -hmm. I saw you and a couple of really cute kittens on your first picture. Yeah. And then I sent you a message first. I don't even remember what I said. I don't think it was anything that exciting.
0: I don't either. And that's why I kind of was bummed that you deleted the app uh, much faster than I did. Because I was hoping to save those original uh, correspondences and also some snapshots of your profile to embarrass you over the future.
1: Well, maybe we can reach out to the fine people at Hinge and see if they (laughs) keep those um, archives.
0: Yeah, you know that may that may be like a privacy thing that they probably don't like keep that. I don't know.
1: So I messaged you first. Mm -hmm. We, I would say, messaged for a few days. It Mm -hmm. wasn't super long, and then you invited me to a Zoom first Mm -hmm. date, which I remember thinking, uh, I was a little bit surprised because I had, you know, I had done a lot of Zoom first dates earlier in the At this point, this was like October 2021. Yeah. Um, Earlier that year, I had done a bunch of those, but I feel like things had kind of shifted back to in-person dating. But I wasn't mad about it because I was happy to not have to, you know, get all dressed up and drive somewhere and find parking and do all that. So it was lower pressure, mm-hmm. lower stakes, and still, I think, a decent way to get to know someone.
0: Yeah. So that was um, kind of by design. So I had been getting to a place in dating where I was becoming very frustrated. Um, and I think this is actually an interesting thing to, to kind of talk about, too, of like, you know, there's always that question that comes up as to who pays for the first date or dates in general. And, you know, I was always raised with that idea of the man pays. Um, But as I've gotten older and started realizing that uh, drinks are expensive, dinner's expensive, everything's expensive. um, It's been getting more frustrating, especially when you know so quickly that this may not be a great match. And I realized the issue wasn't that I truly had an issue with paying for someone, I just really didn't like wasting my time and, and then ultimately my money. And so what the pandemic kind of unlocked for me was this idea of do it via Zoom first, because then you get to see them, the way they speak, the way they interact. You get a little sneak peek about like the way their home is laid out. Uh, and, then, and then then you could say, OK, now I'm ready for a first in-person date and um, that has actually really helped me because then when I do go on the date it's essentially like a second date at that point and I'm excited to pay for them and obviously like if someone wants to pay for me or if they want to like split it like I'm super down with it but I realized that that took away that question that question as to who did it because it always brought up like a nervousness in me and I know that there's a lot of um, I mean you've also experienced kind of your end of that too
1: yeah i mean i i will admit that and you know i think as our relationship evolved and i I would say it was fairly quick that we started splitting Mm -hmm. the cost of things you know i definitely believe in once you're settled to keep things equal that's how i feel most comfortable but i'll admit i like being treated on that Mm -hmm. first date and i think for me that's a few things one is i think it's Like you were saying, it's just kind of what society tells you is the expectation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those few bits of that old fashioned mentality that's been hard to shake. Mm -hmm. And then I also think that it like I have also had the experience where I've been on a first date and the guy didn't want to pay or wanted to split it. And that never ended up leading to a second date. So to me, it became a sign of disinterest. So I think I just had a negative association with that. Mm But, you know, we did our Zoom, and I think it went well. I think we were talking for over an hour, I believe. I don't remember if it was an hour, an hour and a half.
0: To be honest, I do not remember it. For me, I think the, the big takeaway to me was, yes, I would go on an in-person date with her. And I think that after that point, the rest of the conversation was just information gathering, just to just to make sure that, uh, that what I had heard was great, and that I wanted to continue doing that. And so I... Uh, I don't really remember the specific details um, or the length of time that we were on that.
1: I I feel like we set up an in person date while we were on the Zoom, though. I think that was kind of scheduled during, and we that that took place only maybe three days later, which yeah. I liked that because mm-hmm. I think it would have been kind of frustrating if we did a Zoom and then you said, "Oh, well, maybe we'll meet in a couple of weeks." Yeah, but I liked that you wanted to meet me in person quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought I was definitely, I think, less nervous going to meet you because we had done the Zoom.
0: Yeah. And um, what do you think made our situation different? Or maybe I should clarify to say, was it different from what you had been seeing?
1: Well, I think the thing that I noticed pretty quickly about you is that you were very clear about what you wanted Mm -hmm. you were very clear about you know if you wanted to go on another date you made sure that i knew that Mm -hmm. you seemed like just from talking to you and hearing about your experiences dating you seemed like you had you know seen enough that you knew what you wanted
0: seen things
1: (laughs) i mean that sounds kind of kind of bad but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like i think that you knew what you wanted and i felt like for me at least it was very rare experience to meet a man in los angeles who seemed clear about the things he wanted in life like you were clear that you wanted um to get married one day you wanted to have a child one day like there's all these things that i feel like you were really sure about Mm -hmm. and i found that very exciting and Mm -hmm. i like really respected that because i think that can be hard to find someone who just seems like they know what they want
0: interesting yeah i um those things for me, were, were relatively easy, but there was a lot of other things that I felt like I didn't know exactly what I want. I was as an interesting crossroads when we met, where there were some elements, like you've mentioned that I was pretty sure about, um, like like marriage and, and kids and whatnot. But you know, when you have a series of very short-term relationships and a lot of dates that don't go anywhere, you know, it's really hard to, to see yourself as the kind of person that wants a long-term relationship. Because I kept saying, oh, I want a long-term relationship, but the evidence was not um, in, in you know pointing in that direction. And so I was kind of afraid that all I wanted to do was just date. And even some of my friends had said, well, you're just a serial dater. And it starts to really like settle in. And so I... Couldn't shake that with real logic, and so what? What I did instead is I started looking at dates not as you know tests for marriage, which is what it used to be. I started looking dates as opportunities to connect with someone, and this uh, is something that uh, you know we we I think we believe we talked about it on a previous podcast, and I had uh, uh, gotten this advice as well is to treat dates like you just meeting a friend. And, and I think that really helped me because the mental place that I would that that I was in maybe just before we met probably wouldn't have worked because you messaged me first. And I was so conditioned to message first that my first instinct when when a woman messaged me first was, oh, what's her deal? Like there's gotta be like something that she's like jumping on that like she's desperate or something like that. And it's, it's sad. It's really terrible. And it's a terrible like mindset to start in. Um, and so instead, I decided to just not put anything on that. And just simply say, hey, this is a person that wants to reach out to me. And at the very least on paper, she looks really solid. So I should meet her just from a friend standpoint. And I think that's what helped me get over that initial hump of like, holding any like baggage over you that you didn't earn
1: that's me solid on paper and <laughs> a little bit desperate so <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's funny because that was also on your dating profile <laughs> just kidding
1: um yeah no I think it's funny in, in terms of like where I was with dating I think you know earlier that year I had had a period where I was on the apps and really trying at it. You know, I remember doing a bunch of those Zoom first dates, a few in-person ones, and just nothing really worked out beyond a few dates. Yeah. And I got to a point where a couple of things happened. I was pretty discouraged, and also I was really busy with work, so I actually deleted the apps for basically that whole summer. That was kind of my, I know you were very consistently Mm -hmm on the apps for many years. Yep. I was very on and off because I would delete them, re-download it, I would just get in that cycle. And I would always find an excuse to kind of delete it and not try. And so I had been off the apps fully for probably about two or three months. And then I remember I went to my friend's wedding in New York and you know went back to the hotel after by myself and had had a little bit of wine to drink there. And I remember thinking, all right, well, I'm not as busy anymore. I should probably get back on these apps. And so I downloaded Hinge again. And I think it was about a week after that that you and I matched. So it, you know, I think that time it worked out. I also think that in that period of time where I had deleted them, a lot kind of came together in my life outside of dating. Like I got staffed as a writer for the first time, I moved into my own apartment. And I think a lot of those were milestones that I had been chasing for a while. And I kind of feel like maybe I needed to have some of those things checked off just for myself and my confidence to be in the best mental place to be open to a relationship like what we ended up having.
0: And I think one of the other things that um, really worked for me is, you know, going back to me in a kind of a negative place. Um it was very easy for me to find the flaws in everyone. And one of the easy ways to find flaws is when a person has nothing to say or they don't respond or, or, or whatever. And one of the things that I noticed with you is you, you weren't going to let me go. That if, if I sent you a message back, you were going to respond to that message. And And At first, I went back to my kind of like horrible default, which is like, and this girl's like, like really being desperate or whatever. But I confused that for communication. You were being communicative. And had I not also been in the place where I was willing to just meet as a friend, then I probably would have psyched myself out of that whole thing. I would have been like, no, she's 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 being intense. This isn't right for me. You know, I'm not going to engage uh, and I'm going to wait. And, you know, I, I you know, actually, this reminds me of another thing. I like control. And and if someone who messaged me first is constantly messaging me back, it puts me at a disadvantage. I just realized that I actually did not think about that until this this very moment. That that is also playing into that idea of if I'm losing control, then it makes me feel that I need to find something wrong with the situation to regain control.
1: I would say that constant is a strong word in terms <laughs> of how much I was messaging you. That's you know? True. Um I was just trying to be clear. You yeah. Know, but I think that
0: I know I made it sound like you just like this like <laughs> like every other it was like ding 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 ding. For clarity, I would message her and she would message me probably within twenty four hours or less. Like it was oh, a yeah. it was a very like it was. It was like we were having a text conversation.
1: Well, and I think that's. You know, I don't. I don't believe in playing games. Like you yeah. know, I feel like early on when you're dating, you hear these things like, "Oh, you don't want to respond too fast." Oh, yeah. you for all the reasons that you're saying, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. why women are told these things yeah. because men do have this mentality of, "Oh, you don't want to come across as desperate." Yeah. But you know, I I had no time to play games. I didn't have the patience for that, and I think what mattered more was I just wanted to be honest about where I was at. And if I was excited to get a text from you, I was going to send a text back when I wanted to.
0: And that actually really, it really mattered. Um, and I think the, the distinction here, which, which I have experienced the opposite, which is the, the constant you know, uh, messaging, is that you wanted to message back. You weren't, like, trying to get my attention. You weren't, like, being like, hey, I haven't heard back from you in, like, two hours. Like, what's wrong? It was, if I said something, you responded to it. And, and like, you yes-ended the conversation. So it wasn't just, like, I like cats. And you said, cool, I do too. It was, like, tell me more about your cats. You know, I, I'm, I'm making that up. But essentially that was what you did, is, like, you always made it so that if I dropped the ball... It would be my fault that I dropped the ball. And I didn't want to feel guilty and make it my
1: fault. For me, the reason I didn't feel like I had to be, you know, messaging you saying, oh, you haven't gone back to me is because you didn't really give me any reason to be concerned about that. And for me, that's really saying something because I've like, I had not had the most positive experiences in dating before. And I think that. Especially communication is something that became really important to me and I had had bad experiences with very bad communication. So I definitely had a tendency to be very anxious, especially early on with a new person mm-hmm. about that. And I think that you were always very consistent. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember I think the moment when because I definitely liked you, you know, I think we've been on a few dates and mm-hmm. I was like excited when I would hear from you I would look forward to seeing you Aww. but I remember that I remember the moment when I like really kind of sat up and something like shifted and I started to really think this could like be something and that was when I had brought up texting in conversation I think it was during our fifth date and it was because I had I think when we had you were always great about texting me to like make the plan or confirm the plan. And I think then I had tried to continue that with a conversation. Like I'm asked to ask you how your day was and you didn't respond to mm. that. And it was hard for me to not read into that, but ultimately I decided to you know, benefit the doubt. He mm-hmm. wants to see me again. I'm sure he was just busy when I sent that. Um, or maybe he doesn't like really chatting over text. And so I remember bringing that up to you because I was about to go out of town for a few days and I was Really nervous that somehow that was going to kill the momentum or that this would fizzle. So I think we'd been going on like two dates a week even yeah. early on, and I remember saying to you like, "Hey, like, how do you feel about texting? Like, do you how do you feel about chatting in that way?" And I remember what you said is that it's not really your you know your favorite thing to do. You, mm-hmm. I remember you said that you can be aloof, which yeah. I know you have um, <laughs> some clarifying comments to make about that. But I remember what you said is you were like, I don't want to bother you on your trip. But how about this? If you reach out to me, I promise I will not only respond, but have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, and I remember I left. I went out of town and I was had only been away for like a few hours. And I remember I was thinking, oh, you know, at some point this weekend, I'll make sure like, you know, reach out to him. And then you texted me first. and I remember it was
0: violated my own rule.
1: Yeah, it was about um, it was like a funny callback to something that we had talked about. Um I believe it was that I was going to the Vegas area and you were thinking that the San Manuel Casino it was like the Lynn Manuel Casino and you had remembered what um, what it actually was. it was it was funny, whatever yeah. you said. and it was directly referencing our conversation we'd had. But I remember I got that text from you. And I had this moment where I was like, oh, he not only did what he said he was going to, but took that a step further and initiated the conversation, too. And then you did. You know, I replied and we went back and forth for a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that I just felt like you'd really heard me when I expressed that something like consistent communication was important. Mm-hmm. And you had even like gone above the expectations that you'd set.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh yeah i have had some interesting experiences via text you know there are some people that are really bad at getting well, I should say they're really bad at getting back to me uh I've seen them uh, fast text a lot of other people, but when it comes to me been a little slower um but I've also seen the other way where someone is just overloading with text and also i've I've you know I've had a lot of just bad text conversation experiences where it just feels like everything is a check-in and I don't like the check-in texts. I don't like the constant, how was your day today?" Because it's, it doesn't like add anything to my day. Um, And I mean, I've I've definitely uh, pulled back a bit on that. I think I've, I've enjoyed a little bit more of that now, but um, for the most part, the quality of the text does matter to me. I like to have a conversation or at least, exchange some jokes or something some little i want some nuggets in the conversation i don't want to just talk for the sake of like make sure that we're talking
1: well i believe in text when you have something to say yeah and i think if you're if it's going well with dating and you're chatting enough and there's enough that you've talked about the stuff will come up in your everyday that reminds you of that person that you want to tell them and i think i i agree that to just text every day how is your day today that gets old really quick, but yeah. I think text when you, when something prompts you to think of that person. Yeah. Text when you have a reason to.
0: I think that's what worked, is that that was where you were at, and I think that my comment about being aloof was in reaction to, I, I don't want to do this over text because I'm afraid that it may not be fun, <laughs> and uh, and it's kind of it's definitely a judgment and an unfair one, but it's based on my previous experiences, but. I think that also reminds me of one of the things that I've been really working on, which is that the transactional thinking. And I think even in our text conversations, just just hearing you talk about it now reminded me of the fact that even in texting, it it was transactional. It was this idea of like, oh, you texted me. If I don't text you back, then it's my fault. Then I'm the one to blame. And, and I think that that transactional thinking is, um, it's not great. So I wanted to chat a little bit about that because it's also something that, that we have learned over the course of the year. And it's something that, that I have really struggled with because you're a very helpful person. And that's weird to me because what I'm used to in, in both having roommates in the past and also um, having limited experience in dating before you, and that is like, if someone cooks for me, I'm expected the dishes. Or if someone gets the groceries for me, I'm expected to go do something for them. And you would say things like, oh, I did that because I just want to do something nice for you. And all I can think about was, oh, I'm going to pay for this later somehow. <laughs> I don't know how but it's going to get me.
1: Well, I remember, and I think you've really come a long way from this too so give yourself credit for Thank that but i remember early on because i guess to kind of segue from what we were talking about to this is i think fairly quickly we were seeing each other pretty much every day yeah like i think things ended up moving pretty fast yeah um, but it always felt very natural too it never felt like too much but mm-hmm. i think that especially as we started spending more and more time together and you know, for a, a lot of reasons, including the fact that you have, you know, two cats. Well, we mm-hmm. now have two cats, that, yeah. which we'll touch on that later. But <laughs> um, So I think especially when I was spending a lot of time at your place and, you know, I'm with the cats and everything. I think it became natural, especially when you were, you know, very busy with work and had different things going on. It kind of made sense that I would sometimes, you know, do something around the apartment or I would do something for the cats or whatever it was. And I remember at first your reaction was kind of always, oh, you didn't have to do that.
0: Yeah, I was mad because I wasn't ready to give back and I didn't want the burden of feeling guilty and needing to give back. And and I think that led to some conflict in the beginning because I would basically get mad at you wanting to like feed the cats and then you would get kind of frustrated by the fact that you're trying to do something nice for me and and I'm being kind of a dick about it.
1: And I think what we learned is that sometimes all you have to say is thank you.
0: Yeah. And that was a really hard lesson. And I think the other thing, too, is, I mean, some things do have to be transactional. Like, I'm going to go back to my example before of, like, you cook, I clean. Because that sometimes works for some people. But I think there's a difference between saying, hey, if I cook, would you clean? And then saying like just cooking and then saying, hey, I cooked you clean because that's the transactional one. But if you say up, up front, hey, this is what I need is I need you to clean because I hate that, but I'm willing to cook, then that's more of an uh, of an arrangement. And that's fine. But I think what I'm used to is someone choosing the good thing and then making me do the other one because they they want that. And I don't get to be part of that question. And so I think that that is the thing that um, can be frustrating. I mean, Nick like now... You know, we have, I think, a much much healthier uh, thing where, you know, we we think about like what what is the other person able to do right now? You know, you take care of their feeding and their water, I'll scoop their litter box. You know, it's not like it's my job to scoop their litter box, but it's just if you're going to do those two things, I'm going to do this thing while you're doing that and that'll, that'll help you out or that'll help me out.
1: I mean, I think the best way to think about it is that we're a team. And yeah. I remember you using that term pretty early on just in terms of you know the when we would run errands together when we would when we would you know clean at the place together if we were having people over when we would I remember you just would express it as we're a team yeah and that was an adjustment for me too because I had never really had that before and I was Almost self-sufficient, and dependent to a fault. To a fault. Yes. <laughs> and I think the thing that I... Well, you, I think, have learned that just because someone does something nice for you, that's not this thing that's going to be hanging over your head, meaning you owe someone later. If you can just accept it at face value and appreciate it for what it is. And yeah. I think I've had to learn that I can ask you for help yeah. with stuff. Remember and that, that one
0: time when you locked yourself out?
1: Yes, there was one time <laughs> when I, in fact, was so... Um, determined to handle a very simple task of taking the trash out on my own that I fully locked myself out of not just the apartment, but the building. So yeah, um, yeah, that was a great um, moment to sort of solidify that lesson. I think (laughs) I've been working on just being okay with asking for help and being okay with asking. And I think that's almost like reverse transactional, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think for me, I feel guilty needing help, but yeah. I have to realize that it's not that I need it. It's not that I couldn't do any of those things on my own. It's that I don't always have to anymore, and that's the benefit of being part of a team.
0: See, people always say that communication is the most part, important part of a relationship, but they don't really get into the details of like what or how or why, and I think this is where it it becomes very apparent that you know, I'm not saying this as like some guy that like knows all. I'm just excited about very recently learning these things of of the idea that like, you know, if you if you say something that you need, it's okay. The other person can always say no. And that's okay too. I think the difference is when you expect something that you haven't communicated. Yes. And that's where I think it becomes um in the bad way of transactional. But, um, you know, another thing that uh, I think was interesting that I came upon recently was the idea that apologies can also be the bad version of transactional too. That, you know, there have been times when I know that I've upset you and I've apologized with the intention of I want the guilt to go away. And I'm hoping that you're going to make the guilt go away so that I can feel you know, quote unquote, whole again so that I can get over it. And that's that's not super effective because it doesn't come off as, as a genuine apology. What I've instead realized is that the best version of an apology is communication, is acknowledging or at least asking for understanding on what the other person went through. And 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 just really being able to express that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, the biggest thing I've learned in the course of this relationship so far is that, you know, communication is everything. And Hmm. without it, it's going to fall apart. And I think it's funny because I remember early on, like even early, you know, first couple months, really thinking like, oh, our communication is great. And I do think it was very good. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, there were moments where I realized, oh, there was still stuff that wasn't being said that needed to be said. Yeah. Even when you think the communication is going really well, there's usually still a ways that it can improve. And I think that that's, you know, still a work in progress for us. But I think that we've gotten much, much better than where we were, like, even just a few months ago. Yeah.
0: Um, and to add to that, I think there is a difference between communicating about things you agree with versus communicating on things when you don't. And I think it's when you clash that I think the, the communication knowledge is really put to the test because I think that for me, I was very resistant to any sort of conflict. And in doing so, I didn't communicate. Because I didn't want to upset you for whatever the situation was, which then would upset you more than I would, you know, not always tell you things.
1: Yeah, because I think what would happen early on is, you know, we'd be going on our merry way, thinking we were communicating, and then something would happen that was frustrating, mm-hmm. and it would kind of come out in this wave of not just that moment, but also these twelve things from the past month. Yeah. and I think that's something that we both really have had to work on it, is, you know, not bringing up past grievances in a moment when we're upset, finding yeah. a way to talk about that in a healthy and calm way in like a neutral moment. Mm-hmm. And, but I think early on, you know, I think there was that fear of conflict. So then when something did come up, it would be kind of this wave of just yeah. this, like all these little grievances. And then I would be sitting there thinking, like, I had no idea that any of this was bothering him. Yeah. I'm sure you had moments of feeling the same way, you know. Yeah. And I think that um, you can learn a lot from that. And I think it's best, obviously, always to bring stuff up more as it happens and as it comes up, rather than saving it and holding it in.
0: Yeah. I um, One of the things that I, I also realized, too, was that... I had, a, in wanting to avoid conflict, I had a, a tendency to just assume things that you were thinking or that you knew. And I, like, there's a small example for that. I remember I was taking extra long in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to talk about. It. I was pooping oh for a long time. If <laughs> I cut around this, um, <laughs> I anyway. You were wanting to go to bed. I was in the bathroom a long time. And, and I felt really guilty about it. And I imagined you being angry and I imagined me feeling guilty. And, and then I walked into the room, basically prepared for a fight, ready to like throw down. And you were just like, oh, hey, like it was fun. And like, there was, you had none of that, like anxiety towards me and animosity towards me. There was, it was all just in my head. And it was all based on this guilt that I had. And I realized that, that it wasn't fair to put this whole thing over your head. So, you know, communication, I guess. I guess even if something feels off, just being able to, to talk about it openly.
1: And I think, I mean, I think we can both be very hard on ourselves as well. So, <laughs> I mean, that example you just gave is you were being hard on yourself for feeling like you weren't doing something correctly yeah and you assumed that i would feel the same way towards you yeah but i think like the things that we tell ourselves are usually far more mean than anything anyone else can come up with and
0: what i learned according to the internet is there are a lot of boyfriends that take long poops (sighs) (laughs) and there are a lot of memes about girlfriends that get a lot of things done while boyfriends are in the bathroom i mean i
1: I read a lot of books
0: (laughs) (laughs) should say you finish a lot of books so one of the other things that I thought was interesting that we learned over this past year plus is that being right doesn't necessarily mean the other person is wrong. And that's a weird one for me.
1: Yeah, I know. I I often felt like, especially early on, whenever we would have, you know, a fight or a disagreement that. You were kind of wanting to like win. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways, that's a natural impulse. I mean, who doesn't enjoy being right? You know, I think everyone does. But I think like the thing that we've like learned is that there's a lot of gray in between right and wrong and that people can have different opinions, different experiences. And it doesn't mean that anyone's wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody can be right, and it can just be different. And It can just be something that you need to work through to get on the same page.
0: What I was frustrated by was like I truly believed that I was right. And I think I was. I probably I, I can't remember the situation. Oh, but okay. I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I was right. But my my thought was, I know that I'm right, and therefore she has to be wrong. And so I need to find a way... To, to make sure she knows she's wrong so that my right can be true.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, isn't that... This is
0: a great relationship. <laughs> so romantic. You, oh, I know. <laughs> Put that in a little card of our Valentine's Day with some some wilting roses. Um, no, but um, but yeah, What what I realized is that I can be right and that doesn't necessarily mean that you were wrong. And so there's no need to destroy. And instead... All you really have to do is just, gonna say it again. Communicate, communicate your feeling, and try to understand the other person's side. And I think once both sides understand where the other one's coming from, things will make a little more sense.
1: Yeah, I I agree because I think sometimes you just you just haven't heard it explained in a way that you can relate to. You haven't yeah. really thought about it from that person's point of view. And you can find common ground, even if you're not going to fully agree on a specific thing.
0: Here's another thought. And I just thought of this right now. Um, I'm not planning for our next fight. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's Good. Um, <laughs> how about this? Let's assume that we're both right. Like from the get-go. And see how that let's <laughs> see how that gut fight goes. And then
1: a week later, yeah. when we're still... Um, we'll do another podcast called
0: the... Uh, well. We had a good run. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But but yeah, I mean, maybe if you go in with this idea of we're both right, how do we communicate that and how do we understand that from the other person, then that will kind of diffuse the situation.
1: Well, because I mean, I think, and you know, none of our fights have been about something where, you know... You're saying the sky is blue and I'm saying, no, it's red. You know, mm-hmm. it's have been much more nuanced than that, much more of a gray area. And so I think something can be right from someone's experience. This is also. True. And I think, you know, feelings are valid. Your experience is your experience and nobody can really take that away. And I think that's a thing that can be tough to remember, especially in those heated moments.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that uh, it's very easy to think someone's wrong because you don't understand them. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of this this thing that, that has been said a lot. It's something I've thought a lot about. And that is, in communication, um, what's more important? Communicating clearly or the other person understanding it? And... I've heard it both ways. I've heard people say, no, as long as I get the information out correctly, it's their fault they get wrong. And I've heard the other way of like, no, it's only as good as it's received. And what I've ultimately kind of taken away from that is they're both equally important. You know, you have to be you have to communicate clearly. But no matter how clear you communicate, there's probably going to be someone that doesn't quite perceive it that way. And so to them, that doesn't work. And so both the way it's received and the way it's communicated are equally important. And if you're having a disagreement in an argument and you both care about each other, then there must be some nuggets of truth on both sides. And you just got to find those nuggets and hold on to those nuggets.
1: Yeah, it's funny too, because I think a thing that I have also realized, you know, I think everyone here is about those couples who claim, oh, we never fight. And in my opinion, if that's really true, you're probably just not communicating because, and you're probably just avoiding conflict because I don't think that, you know, I think it's so natural that differences and like disagreements are going to come up, especially when you're spending so much time with someone.
0: Yeah, you wanna like spice a relationship up? Let's let's get into a fight right now. (laughs) Then we'll really get this thing turned up, a live fight. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Aaron and Rob.
1: Well, I do, I remember what I would consider our first fight. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember, the, uh, I'm sure you do remember. Sure, I But it, it was about becoming official. Oh. And essentially the gist of it was that I wanted that a little bit sooner than you did. Mm-hmm. And I think I thought that I had been clear when I had said I was going to, you know, delete my Dating apps. Mm-hmm. And what I heard from you in your response was suggesting that you were on the same page. And then it kind of came out that, like, you weren't really quite on that page. It didn't come out in, like you weren't, like, doing anything right. like, wrong, but it just, I remember realizing that, oh, you weren't quite there yet. And I think that was our first, like, real moment where we were kind of not on the same page. Yeah.
0: No, we were not on the same page on that. I, I felt, you know, I'd would i been on dating apps for 11 plus years and I just wasn't ready to go um, because I, I wasn't, I just wasn't sure. And, and I mean, I think it was like what, a month and a half, two months in, like, I don't remember the...
1: It was almost two months in, I remember when we had this. Like, fight, I would say. And then it was just slightly over two months. And when we did end up making it official. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is where we weren't on the same page. Because I think for you, the impression that I got is that there was, like, A leads to B, B leads to C, C leads to D. And I was, like, A leads to b c d e f like the whole alphabet it was like once one thing is unlocked the rest are like not far behind and i think that is where we were different is that i wanted more things to line up before i would even delete the apps um whereas you were like okay the first step is deleting the apps the next step is just becoming official and blah 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 blah
1: yes i mean i remember when we did you know talk it out you were kind of saying that for you calling me your girlfriend, committing to the relationship. That was basically like pre-marriage. Yeah. Kind of the way that you were describing it. And that was definitely not my mindset. Like, obviously that would be the hope. But mm-hmm. I also just saw it much more as a one step at a time kind of thing. I think I also had a very different reaction to the concept of deleting the apps. Mm-hmm. I, nothing could have made me happier than to not have to be on oh, those no. apps anymore. Um, so I think that was a bit of a, different, a difference that we had. Too. I, I
0: swiped when I got bored. It was like... It was like taking away my fidget spinner or something like that. It was was like a badge of honor to get to the end every every week.
1: But I mean, I think it was just, it was interesting because the reason that I remember being surprised when you kind of said you weren't quite there yet in terms of being ready to define it is that I was going based on your actions. Mm -hmm. And to me, your actions were so clear and that mm-hmm. this was going in this serious yeah. direction just based on how much time we were spending together and everything. Um, so I remember feeling very like thrown off balance a bit by that because it made me feel like I was missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think it was ultimately just solved by a communication and b by I just kind of had to like take a breath and trust you mm-hmm. and trust you to go through your process. Mm-hmm. and get on the same page as me, which you did do pretty fast after we had, yeah, that fight.
0: I mean, you made it clear that there was a frustration and I think that I had to kind of check into myself to kind of, you know, really decide how important it was for me to to be the holdout. Um, but I I was both uh, concerned about, but also knowing that, what was around the corner was also Christmas, and I knew your family didn't live that far away, and I knew my mom would make a really big deal about me having a girlfriend. So I felt that, that a lot of things were going to happen at once, and I wanted to make sure I was mentally ready for the kind of avalanche that was to follow. And there was a bit of an avalanche that followed, but I, but I was ready.
1: I mean I think the moral of the story here is don't start dating someone in October because yeah. then you're really right up against the holidays and things get intense yeah. fast. Yeah, I
0: say like uh, anything like September or before is is really good. <laughs> October you're really pushing, you're on a you're on a strict timeline.
1: Um and then I did you met my parents for the first time on Christmas Day, which yeah. was a very aggressive choice it on was. my part. It was. Um but but you had actually asked me to meet your family first, so yeah. you did end up Taking that step forward.
0: Well, like I said, I was ready. Yes. I, I was I was prepared I was prepared for that. And so I um, I was I was ready for the avalanche, and the avalanche did come. Um, you
1: make it sound so romantic. I know.
0: <laughs> it was a, a an avalanche of love. How about that? <laughs> a flowing river of heart, blood, whatever. <laughs> Magical stardust. I don't know what you want to call it. Um I wanted to talk about another thing. This is a little bit of a, a side tangent. Okay. And uh, we can always edit this out if you don't okay. want to talk about this. Um, going back to our conversation about um, not everything is always agreeable. Hmm. Um, one of the things that that I I noticed that I had done is that I didn't want to say anything that might upset you, because. Um, I I don't cry a lot. Like I, I think I cried at the end of Star Trek 2.
1: I have seen you cry a couple times and it has been about things that have surprised me always. <laughs> yeah.
0: Star Trek 2 was definitely one of them. What was another one? There was another one recently.
1: There was something else that we watched. I want to say it was related to an animal, some kind that was very heart wrenching.
0: Oh, it was that cat documentary?
1: I, yes, yeah, you did, did cheer up at um, "Inside the Mind of a Cat." Netflix yeah, did make did, you cry a little up. bit.
0: Um, not gonna give you any spoilers about <laughs> the cat documentary or Star Trek too, but uh, there's there's some there's some tears to be had. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, other than that, like really not much going on in the Tears department. But that wasn't always the case with you. <laughs> <laughs> and and for me, if if I make someone cry, to me that I register that as like, you done fucked up. Like like you you did something bad. And so it's as it's as painful for me to, to hurt someone as I perceive it must be to to feel it. And so I am want to not want to do anything that's gonna put you into that position. But you had a different take on this.
1: Yes, because I think I think you kind of experienced it as, say if we were, you know, disagreeing about something, mm-hmm. if something had happened and I was crying, you saw that as like you had caused that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not about you. What? And sometimes it's, I also think that I personally feel that crying is a very healthy way of processing emotions. I think sometimes you can cry and then feel a lot better after because I think that's your way of working through something and of letting yourself feel that so that you can move through it. And I don't think that. That's like an indictment of the other person in any way. I yeah. think that that can just be your way of coping with yeah. something. And, you know, sure, there have been times when you've done something that was upsetting and that did prompt me crying, but mm-hmm. that doesn't, it's not as bad of a thing, I think, as you thought. And I think it was tough because I think I could tell that it kind of made you uncomfortable. Yeah. And we had a lot of conversations about this. Mm-hmm. And it's it was definitely challenging, um, but I think that we've gotten to a better place with at least you understanding that sometimes that's just part of my process for dealing with something, and it doesn't it's not necessarily so personal.
0: yeah, I just kind of like make you cry and just have the stone cold like stare of like cry, <laughs> do it. <laughs> I'll drink your tears. Wow, okay. wow. no, I what I realized is that whatever your reaction is, the communication is the most important. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> there's a way to communicate. Like, like I shouldn't go with the intention of, oh, this is going to make her cry. Let me dig right in. But it should be, if something needs to be said, whatever the reaction is going to be mm-hmm. the reaction. And, and to be okay with that. And to know that... That, yeah, that is your process. You're going to deal with it in a different way than I'm going to deal with it. But that, once again, doesn't mean that your process is wrong.
1: I also think that you, I think, used to interpret crying as like a level 10 upset reaction. Yes. And I think the thing that I've at least tried to help you understand is that sometimes it's really not... Like, crying doesn't mean that it's this catastrophe, like, mm-hmm. oh, the relationship is over. Yeah. It can just be like... A five on that upset scale can prompt it. And it's not disastrous. Yeah. It doesn't mean that anything is like horribly broken. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the journey.
0: Well, there's another uh, aspect of crying that always uh, was challenging for me is I have experienced in some situations where crying is like a, basically a deflection. You're trying to communicate something. And instead of the communication getting through... The person uses crying to then trigger my resistance to pushing, which I mean, like, obviously, if I'm pushing in a in a terrible way, that's that's problematic. But if, if I am trying to communicate a, a relatively simple thing and the person is using crying to deflect having to deal with it, then that is a, an issue in itself. But it's it sh- but that is the other thing that I hold crying to is this idea that, um, oh, shit she's crying therefore she's unwilling to hear me and i'm feeling guilty and i don't like this
1: yes and i think you know i think i've hopefully helped you realize that i don't use i don't weaponize crying right. in that way that's that's know? the word yeah i needed thank <laughs> but, you you know i that's not how it goes for me and i think the other thing too that I have felt frustrated by in those moments is I think I would feel like once I started crying, nothing I could say would be like fully taken seriously Mm -hmm. because you saw it through this lens of this like over emotion and therefore I couldn't be rational also in that moment.
0: And that's not fair to think of it as a weakness, but that was how I Mm -hmm. viewed it.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, but I at least hope that we've gotten to a better place with all that i think that you've definitely um been able to see my perspective on that a bit more
0: Mm -hmm. i think for me i have sort of looked at the crying as your process but wanted to communicate through the reasons for it so to better understand okay this is the cause of it but your process is your process i'm not going to um to 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 touch that
1: and the other thing, too, is sometimes sometimes I'm surprised when something makes me cry. You know, sometimes it doesn't quite make sense to me either. That's just what the the response that my body has to something. And, yeah. you know, and I also feel like this this whole conversation makes sound like I'm just crying 12 times a day over <laughs> here. That's really not the case. <laughs> but I guess it's more than... What were we saying? We can think of two times in a year and three months that you have cried. Yeah, in this relationship, you haven't so. seen me,
0: and there was a phone commercial that I cried in <laughs> once. It was uh, my crying is, uh, is is very rare, but also very strange as well. So, I want to talk a little bit more about first impressions.
1: Yeah, I feel like I talked a lot about my early experience with you, and mm. you didn't share as much <laughs>
0: <laughs> see now this is one of the challenges with having your girlfriend on the podcast is i'm used to when i have a guest on i just ask all the questions from the guests but now she's throwing them back at me to yeah. answer them for yeah, me because
1: this is about our relationship oh, and you're a half of
0: that i'm so. a half i'm a yeah. half of that well there it is okay well um Two things. One, I was looking for any reason to get out of everything because I assumed that the perfect person would be perfect and it would be very apparent right at the very beginning, sparks, explosions, everything. And, and also the other side of it was was the fact that I was going with the mentality of, let's just approach it like a friend and just see how things go. So I think those two elements, um, one was pushing against us and the other one was was allowing it to continue. And so my first impression wasn't super solid, actually, because I thought that you were a bit guarded. You seem a bit stiff for me. And I was very concerned that uh, that's how it would always be. And that's one of the things that I've also tried to to work on is that like, when, when something doesn't feel right, to talk about it and not just assume... That it's just how it's good, always going to be. And that, like, this this moment in time is is the end. But uh, I, w- I would love to hear you talk about um, how you felt about uh, being a bit stiff in the beginning. If you felt the same way.
1: Well, I remember when you told me that mm-hmm. that had been your experience. I, I kind of had two simultaneous thoughts. One was, oh, well, that makes sense. And <laughs> two was, oh, really? Because I think I knew that I, just as a person, I tend to be a bit slower to open up to new people. Um, You know, friends who I've had for a very long time, I think I'm very relaxed with. But with new people, it takes me a little bit to get comfortable. And I think especially with dating, I'd had bad experiences. I've been hurt before. And I think that I did have a lot of walls built up to protect myself from going through something like that again. And I think I felt that I had made more progress with moving through that than I apparently had when we <laughs> met. Um, but I think it does make sense to hear that I did still have walls up, but I would still argue that those walls were um, easier to climb over than the ones I had probably a year or two years before that. So I think, But I don't know, it was kind of a reality check for me almost, just to hear that that had been your experience. And I think also, I mean, I don't know, I think even like right now doing this podcast, I think it's kind of an example. Like you're very naturally like a very kind of people person, I would say. I feel like you like are very kind of, you can be very outgoing in social situations. You know, you started something like a podcast, which is not something I could really have imagined myself doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for, like, I think you came across very, you know, relaxed and open on early dates, because I think that's a bit more of your personality type. Um, But I mean, there was certainly, you know, ways like you opened up more later, but I mean, I think you were pretty naturally yourself. And I remember one of my early impressions of you, a thing that I really liked is seeing how much you loved your cats hmm. really was one of the things that endeared me to you a lot
0: it's it's really great to hear that because um just after getting the cats and you know in, in the back of my head i'm thinking like i'm gonna post some cute cat photos on instagram and i'm gonna blow up and and everyone's gonna love me and this is how i'm gonna become you know the man that i want to be like i i just right after getting them i right after and not even just getting them because i i was i was a foster first and i failed at that and ended up adopting them right after i signed the adoption papers i saw a a clip from uh, family feud and it was like what's the number one turnoff for women on online dating profiles and it was cats I was horrified that i like shot myself in the foot
1: it's funny because really cute really cute feet it's funny because the cat's not me. In theory, though, I should have had that reaction because I am allergic to cats. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love cats. Um, to I guess my own, you know, downfall. But I maybe you saw just saw them and they were so cute. Maybe
0: you love Claritin. Maybe you just maybe. truly. Yeah, like this like podcast is now sponsored by. <laughs> you know? But
1: I think that. You know, I just I think seeing how affectionate you were towards them, how proud of them you were, how much you cared about them, I think really showed me kind of a softer side of you that wasn't necessarily the side that you present to the world.
0: Yeah, the cats um, taught me about love, to be perfectly honest. It, it's weird to say that, but I I didn't quite understand the concept of love Like viscerally, I understood it as like a definition, but I didn't quite feel it until I had a little fluffy creature that depended on me for their life, and then it 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 flooded me with feelings that I I didn't know about. I don't know. I've been told Tin Man before for myself, so it kind of uh, uh, you know melted the. The ice around my heart. I know I just made two different analogies there. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. But you get it, you know. But yeah, the, the cats helped me understand what it meant to care about something else. In a way that a bamboo plant never did. Sorry about people that are into... Is it horticulture?
1: I, I think is so. That, is that
0: the plants? Yeah. The botany?
1: Well, it's funny Gardeners. too. Because it took me like, a full month into dating to even get to meet the cats. I had to really earn that.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm
1: not
0: just going to show them around to anybody.
1: (laughs) It was starting... It was funny because, like, I don't know, this is just a quick story that I feel like is entertaining, but I think we'd probably been on, like, I don't know, at least seven or eight dates in that first month, and... You had been to my place and everything, and but you hadn't invited me over yet, which also meant I hadn't met the cats yeah. yet, even though you would send me pictures of them. I'd mm-hmm. seen them on our Zoom, and I knew so much about them. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was getting to the point where I a couple of my friends started to be like, I don't know, I feel like he's being weird about his place. Like, what yeah. is he hiding?
0: There, there was something else, too.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I remember when I kind of called you out on this, yeah. and I was kind of being like, okay, when do I get to come over? And you confessed that you were waiting for something to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And then you said that it was new sheets. And mm-hmm. I remember what I said was, dare I ask what you're sleeping on now? <laughs> and you told me that there, there were sheets, but they had a hole yeah. in them. yeah, um, Which was apparently quite a large hole. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I guess you were just getting some things in order before well, you... <laughs> I
0: didn't want to get sheets because the cats were, were new. They were kittens and they were they're putting holes in everything and so i didn't want to like get new sheets right away and then when we started like dating things started picking up i was like oh man i gotta like get on this so i needed to get new sheets but i I think i ordered them from like take forever plus and (laughs) it took forever and they finally arrived um which i guess is a little presumptuous to be like i'm sorry i can't have you come over because you know my bedding isn't ready
1: but I remember when you did finally invite me over, when I went into your place, I just I felt immediately relieved when yeah. it was um, well-kept yeah. and nice.
0: The sheets really <laughs> brought the room together.
1: Yes. And then after about an hour, I think a cat emerged yeah. um, from their hiding place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, but going with that actually was, was a, a big thing that, uh, that I liked about you. This is from our initial Zoom. When I saw your place... It wasn't just like, you know, piles of boxes and, and and junk everywhere. It was this very curated space, and and I know you would you would mention that you know, um, uh, you you had had some changes in your in your career, and so you were able to finally provide for yourself in ways that you had not been able to mm-hmm. do before. Um, but it looked good. It looked real good, and and it it made me feel like okay, this is like a professional woman. This is not just you know, dating anybody off the street. This is someone that that cares about, you know, uh, about about how things are. And, and I'm not saying that that like is necessarily like a deal breaker if, if there's a bit of clutter, because I mean, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've had my fair share of playing Jenga with the trash. Um, but I, I think that there is something to be said about putting that extra time in. So I think that in combination with you being uh, an interesting person uh, and an interesting texture, someone that added something to the conversation uh, and then me being interested in in getting to know you better and not trying to write anything off. I think that, that all added up to me giving it a shot and and I'm glad I did. It was, um, it was probably the, Second best thing I did. The first being the cats. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fair. Is that fair? I Is can't okay? really compete with them. Uh, if if I if I say you first, we're gonna get so many meows at that door. <laughs> they're gonna knock the door over with meowing.
1: I mean i I've seen pictures of them when they were little kittens. I can't compete with that. Yeah, I won't yeah. pretend to.
0: So sorry. There's uh there's another woman in my life. <laughs> She's very fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> and also a guy in my life. Too, so. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're the, you're the fourth or maybe the third. I don't know how you want to, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to keep going with this. So, so Aaron, when I started this, uh, podcast intro, I I had mentioned something about how what I'm used to is being miserable in dating. And, um, you messed that up for me. <laughs> so I want to, yeah, so Sorry. I uh, really we want to talk a little bit about that and see if, if that, is that an experience that you are used to or am I kind of on an island here?
1: No, I mean, I definitely, you know, this is far and away my best and happiest relationship nice. ever, as well as longest and just best. And I mean, I definitely... You know, I'm I'm very happy with you, and I think that I'm very proud of us for getting here.
0: Thank you. I I went through a different journey on that. That's cool that you were like, <laughs> yeah. I I went through a, a I guess a sadness journey because I was so used to being the victim, I, and that I I almost it was almost like a high. Of like it never being my fault, and and I think one of the challenges with this relationship is I've had to face a lot of situations where things can be my fault, um, where I could say things that are hurtful, or I can do things that are hurtful, and and I think it it's, it's been challenging, and it's been I'm not saying that I've been like trying to get out of this, um, but but I'm saying that that it was always the easy way. Is it was always easy to say, well, this just didn't work. And instead, I've had to be like, oh, well, you know, this conversation didn't work because I approached it from this point of view. Um, and if, and it's been hard for me. And so um, you took away my joy of being a victim and made me have to look at myself in the mirror. And um, it was hard. But. I really appreciate that. It was something that um, that I needed. and um, I'm glad glad you made me suffer through
1: that. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, you know, it's, it's so funny, because we talk about this a lot, how you have a way of you'll say something that you think is a compliment, uh-huh. and then I'll kind of have to point out that. You you didn't quite find the compliment in there. You went about saying it in a very strange way. So I think there's a compliment in there somewhere. <laughs> you
0: know what? I actually just realized that in, in the way that I said that, I went back to my old way. I'm used to being miserable and dating and then instead went into a relationship where I had to be miserable and learning how to be a normal person or a nice person or whatever. Um, yes, I have a tendency to take things from the negative point of view. I mean... I made a podcast called Dating <laughs> What Went Wrong. And actually, I got a lot of feedback from people that said that I should have a much more positive spin on that. But the reason why I've never changed that is, is even though now I kind of realize how negative that is, uh, I, I at least think that anyone that is going to get the most out of this podcast is probably also in that negative space. I don't want to assume but I know I certainly was when I started this. And so I think that is one of the big challenges that I run into is not making things sad. And, and I mean, some of that is deflection through humor uh, or other things, uh, victim mentality, um, all that kind of stuff. And so I think, you know, you've been really good at, at reminding me of that. Um, by pointing it out being like, hey, like you're being a little hard on yourself or like maybe that's not the best way to think of that. And so um, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know in your early episodes of this, you would call yourself the expert at failing and relationships. I know you did pull back from yeah, that yeah, part of it. Yeah, I did. Um, because I do think that is a very mean to yourself yeah. way of looking at it. and. But I also think like, because, you know, you made this podcast dating, what went wrong? I think in a way being this, you know, and I don't agree with like serial dater, but like being this person who had was dating for so many years and it just kept not working was almost a part of your identity in a way. So much that you made a podcast about it. And I think that getting into this relationship, that was a big change. And it's very different. And I mean, I do. I definitely think that it was scary you know there were definitely times when it was scary for me it's scary to make big changes in your life it's scary to invite someone in so intimately because it really like there's a lot of like risk and reward with that
0: yeah now going with that um we have recently had a situation where we have had a big change in our life and speaking of inviting someone (laughs) in um, uh, we moved in together, we found our own place, so it wasn't moving into one of the other's place, but we found our own place and that happened just a few months ago and that's terrifying. It was a terrifying change. Uh, I, I lived on my own for 11 years and now I don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what do what are your thoughts on on this whole situation?
1: i mean it's it's kind of funny as we ended up actually we signed the lease one day after our one year anniversary. I believe our lease began, which was not intentional. That yeah. was just the way that it worked out. yeah, um but it was it was funny as I think it was simultaneously a big change and not a big change because yeah. we were. Spending every day together mm-hmm. for a long time before this move happened, um. So in a lot of ways, it felt very natural. Um, I think there's a lot of ways where it hasn't felt like that big of a change, but I think that like psychologically, it is a shift. You know, it's a shift when you because I don't know. I think that a fear that I had was that. Oh, am I giving something up Mm -hmm. by leaving my own place? Am I giving up some part of my independence by moving in here? And ultimately, I haven't felt that way. You know, I really haven't had a moment where I've missed my old place where I lived alone at all. And I've just been very happy with living here. I mean, I think... I also think that the move in and of itself is, you know, was a big undertaking. And I at least felt that we handled that really well. I think, like, Mm -hmm. we really, when you think about it, how high stress that can be. I don't think we got into a single fight. We were really just there for each other and we were helpful to each other. And I think we were handled it like a great team. Yeah. And I think that that whole experience gave me even more confidence in the fact that the decision was right by seeing. How much easier it was to go through a task like moving with you mm-hmm. than it had been on my own.
0: Yeah, I think for me, what what helped me was was looking at everything as a as a team, and with the team mentality. I think if I looked at it too selfishly, it would have been too much. I think I would have wouldn't have wouldn't have liked it. I would have tried to take too much control of it. But this idea that I was moving in with someone where when we had talked about a lot of big picture items, mm-hmm. I think that was a huge thing too of like we both want to get married, we want to have kids. We we both have a very general trajectory that we want mm-hmm. to hit that matched up. So I think that that worked. And um, you know, we have different uh living habits, I would say. Whereas like you like to go to bed, you know, before tomorrow <laughs> and, and I want to go to bed well after tomorrow but I, I think that we we got to adjust that even living separately mm-hmm. you know by you coming over and and it and, and sleeping over we kind of got to get into a rhythm of how things and then it then we got to just see like okay what do we want to improve mm-hmm. and how can the new place do that yeah and I think all of those things really added and then we found this place was big enough for all of our crap
1: yes <laughs>
0: so that was uh and by crap, I'm not talking about the cats.
1: Well, I think also, and just, you know, just I guess to toot my own horn for a quick second here, mm-hmm. I think when we were, you know, early in the process of moving and we were talking about, you know, kind of our checklist of what we wanted to look for in a place, um, I think there was a general, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were concerned that I was being too picky and mm-hmm. what I wanted, um, but my you know, pickiness, if you want to call it that, I think led to us finding a really great place yeah. that I'm really proud of and really happy that we found, like we really lucked out. So I'm glad that I didn't, you know, cave on any of that, even though you seem to be concerned that I was looking for something that wouldn't exist.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this goes back into my own sort of like Fears, I suppose, and that is, uh, you can get really s- stuck up in your head if you don't communicate. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very easy for me to to think, oh, she doesn't really want to move in with me because she's creating so many, oh. you know, boundaries as to like, oh, it's got to be this, got to be this, got to be this, and I'm like, oh, this is just like, she's not being serious. This is not realistic.
1: Oh, I didn't know that you felt that way.
0: Well. Not like hard that way. Just like <laughs> it was just sort of like a, a thought of like, well, we're never gonna move in together because she's she's got this like perfect checklist of of what it could be.
1: You were worried I was being avoidant. Yeah. The-
0: yeah, exactly. But then when we found one place that matched your criteria, we didn't get that place, but then it made me think, okay, it is possible mm-hmm. to have, you know, everything you want and her to be serious. And then I think when things did work out and they worked out in a good timeline and and Mm -hmm. just everything kind of of came together, it really made me think that this was right. Mm -hmm. And, and and that was, that was very helpful and that we were on such the same page about a lot of things. And I think the other thing that was helpful too, is just that we were both willing to lose a bit Mm -hmm. in the move because You know, we both had furniture that was redundant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wouldn't work if it was like, well, I lost the last item, you lose the next item. That that wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. We had to really think of the place Mm together and really think, okay, if we keep this piece of furniture, this thing is going to match this better. Or if we put this over here, that'll work, or this won't work. And then, even going even further than that, there were many items that we didn't choose to get rid of. Um, my game systems, until we were actually here. And I think that was a big thing too, the fact that you weren't pressuring me to get rid of a bunch of game systems, even though I had 10 different game systems uh, of various years that goes all the way back to Atari. Um, you weren't pressuring me to get rid of them. But once I started actually putting things away and realizing that I didn't want to have a bunch of boxes out, I started to make the decisions myself. And so I think that it was important for me to both have the mentality or both have a mentality that you know losing items doesn't necessarily mean we're losing items. It just means that we are moving into a new like version of our lives. And and then also the idea of like sometimes you have to just take things slow and you move with the stuff and once you're looking at it, then make the decision. Uh, I think those two things really help with the move. I think that if we had fought over mm-hmm. spatulas and, yes. and what needed to stay and what needed to go, I, I think that that would have led to a lot of fights.
1: And I think, well, I mean, I think for me, my side of that was two things. It was um. On- Number one was I didn't want you to resent me. Mm-hmm. I did for making you get rid of stuff. I right. wanted you to come to that on your own. Mm-hmm. And then I also, I trusted you and I knew you as a person enough to know that you would not be comfortable living somewhere with some extreme amount of clutter or mm-hmm. disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was why I kind of had faith that it was going to work itself out.
0: Yeah. 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 And the moving in together, there was something about it that, like, I, in some ways, very really blinded by the next step aspect. Because I know when I talked before about, like, you unlock A and it leads to B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever, um, part of that was moving in. And at the time, I didn't really think that much about the idea of locking ourselves in. Our books are now in a rainbow of color. Uh, they
1: look beautiful. They
0: look beautiful. They're no longer alphabetized by author, which they, prefer they weren't before. Yeah, I was going
1: to say. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's just, I mean, no one can see the books. Uh,
0: they were perfectly organized. It's, it's going to be a visual podcast it's now. It's
1: going um, to be only pictures of our only pictures rainbow of books. bookshelf.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, the books and the board games are now organized by color. They are now intermingled. It is a whole thing.
1: Our names are on a lease a
0: lease together it's it's a thing that like actually just kind of recently I thought about it I was like, whoa, breaking up would be hard. <laughs> like it could be like a lot of work um but I, I I think uh you know to to settle any concerns about that comment um I chose to be here before I realized that. Mm-hmm. I think that is something to, to think about is this idea that it's scary and to acknowledge that, um, the, you know, the more, and I mean like people move into you with each other all the time and they break up, uh, I mean, people get married and they break up, you know, but cool.
1: yeah, I'm really ending this on a yeah, optimistic note here.
0: <laughs> no, but what I'm trying to say is that like, like what I'm experiencing is, is just one step of many. And and as you pr- proceed down the line, you get more and more entwined. But that's where constant communication. And, and as you level up the in, entanglement, you're leveling up the communication and leveling up, you know, uh, the connection you have with the other person.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think, I guess, just to tie this back to you know my like checklist for a, an apartment, I think. That wasn't about avoiding a change. It was about not wanting to settle, which mm-hmm. I think applies to relationships too. That's why yeah. I think it is important, like you said, that every step of the way is a choice. It's mm-hmm. a choice that both people are making.
0: Yeah. Um, and that was um, another another big change that uh, we made is the, the co-parenting of the cats. Yes. Um, and, you know, like... I mean, I'm on the adoption paperwork. Uh, according to the shelter, Aaron is not involved in this whatsoever.
1: Yeah, they're they're not mine by law. <laughs> yeah,
0: not in a legal sense. I have no
1: legal claim to them.
0: Um, but uh, their last names are still Scow,
1: <laughs> which is fine. You had them before for over a year before I came along. That's very fair.
0: Yeah, but um, as we were, you know, uh, settling in. And, um, you know, you were doing a lot of things for them. It wasn't so much, I mean, I I guess, you know, going back to my transactional line of thinking, I, I suppose that was part of this thought. But my mentality was, is, you know, I wanted you to be able to have that. And you got the title along with feeding them and <laughs> cleaning up their poop and, and the cleaning up their vomit uh, yeah. on occasion. I'm I'm happy to have you as, as their co-parent.
1: Thank you. Well, I'm honored because they're pretty great. <laughs>
0: they're pretty solid.
1: Even if Jag has still never gotten in my lap. It <laughs> has been a year and three months, but who's counting?
0: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, are you got in your lap? Uh a little bit, a couple times. Yeah, time. she has. It's yeah.
1: just you know, Jag. That's your boy. It's
0: my boy. Yeah, he. Um. Yeah, he's a he's a tough nut to crack with other people. Like he's very friendly, but he is just not uh, super affectionate towards the non-me people.
1: But he's very affectionate with you. <laughs> <Now>, yeah, <you know, laughs> he's my, makes my little it baby. Extra funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think we could do some some closing thoughts. I mean okay Aaron this was uh your first experience being uh, part of this podcast and this new version of me not doing the podcast as a single person you now in a relationship so what was your what was your takeaway from both this experience as well as things that uh, were said
1: it was fun I think it was kind of nice to sort of revisit some of these bigger themes and bigger lessons that we've both taken away from this last year plus mm-hmm. and you know i mean i really i remember when i suggested early on like oh are you ever gonna have me on your podcast and you were like oh no yeah and so i was actually shocked when you suggested that you might want to have me on to discuss kind of our one year so i don't know i'm glad to be here I'm um, hopefully it won't be the last one I'm sure we'll continue learning stuff yeah. um that we'll oh continue. no we're not done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I think it's great and like I said I'm I'm very happy with you
0: yeah thank you me too I'm happy with you <laughs> and the if that really came off was super great but uh I was um I was thinking about me <laughs> <laughs> no I um I'm lucky I'm lucky to have you in my life and uh I, I'm just not, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to being like happy in a relationship. Not used to, to, it's not even just the happy, it's, it's comfortable. It's this idea that I've never been this, I've never been so much me than I've been around you. And, and that is both scary and wonderful. Um, and I think that my takeaway to this podcast is is a loss of control. and and that is, you know, dating was always about trying to g- grab control of things. And even in some of the conversation, I've realized that there's a lot of aspects of me wanting to to grab at control. And what I've realized is letting go is also fine. And it's scary, but it's it's also nice. And it's especially nice when you can share it with someone with when you let go of a little control that they're gonna be there, that they're gonna they're gonna catch you, sort of like a mental trust fall, so to speak. And that uh, that was my takeaway is that you've been my mental trust fall partner. And I love you.
1: Oh, I love you too. <laughs> I And I think, I know mean, when you think about it that way, in dating, you kind of have a lot of control in the beginning because mm-hmm. you can decide every day whether you want to go on another date, whether you want to keep talking to this person. Yeah. But once you enter into a relationship, it becomes a team. It yeah. becomes a partnership and decisions affect the team. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just about you anymore. And yeah. I think that is a big transition but i think i think we've done pretty well
0: i like to say so um so anyway this is usually the part of the show where i i um thank the guest and want to plug whatever it is that they are working on or doing so um how people find you online i mean not on dating (laughs) (laughs) you can find me on (laughs) tinder
1: (laughs) yeah um well i mean like like rob mentioned at the beginning i am a writer um Check out season two of Shadow and Bone coming to Netflix March sixteenth. Um, I co-wrote the finale of that season, so very excited about that. Um, and then you know I'm on the social media. Um, I'm sure you can find me and many of Rob's photos. Um, <laughs> you know I've I've made the grid a few times by now. <laughs> um, probably not quite as much as the cats, no, but no, you no. know. Um, but yeah, it's it was fun.
0: Thank you been fun having you, and uh, let's do this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know where you live.
0: So. That's true. Damn it. She's got me. She's got me. All right. Bye. <laughs> so, for my additional takeaway, I wanted to talk about something that happened while I was editing this. After we recorded this, I took uh, about a month to get around to editing it, so I had a lot of time to forget what we talked about. And then Aaron and I had a fight. After the fight, I went back to editing and I was listening to all the cool things we've learned over the past year and how all that kind of went out the window during our fight. And here I am on this podcast talking about this great journey where we've solved so much and we have one disagreement and we're back at square one. It's a constant reminder that the work is never done and that cognitively being aware of a solution doesn't mean it's permanently solved. On the plus side, we did take the time to chat about the fight we sorted it out, and we're fine. Seriously, if any of our parents are listening to this, it's fine. Really, it's fine. We're okay. I am just really glad and lucky to have Erin in my life, and I look forward to the continued journey I have with her. And as we learn more about each other and how this crazy thing called a relationship is supposed to work, I hope to continue the podcast. And if that sounds interesting to you, join me as we dive deeper into dating. What went wrong? You know the positive version. Good night.